This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Trevor Talks Too Much, the show where I talk and talk and talk and don't stop. Talk, 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 don't stop. I'm your host, Trevor Everett's master baker, mythical soft boy, proud um, advocate for the chips and Diet Coke diet. Uh, it's something that I created where for lunch, I have a bag of chips and a Diet Coke. Um, so yeah, today I spoke with Tyler Henry, uh, the Hollywood medium um, or clairvoyant. Uh, and this was honestly a, a very different episode, I think, than what we usually do. It was really fun. Tyler is one of the sweetest and most genuine people I've met. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was really fun. He talked about what he does as a medium, um, his readings, and he even gave me a little, little taste tester run medium read. Uh, I don't know if that's what he would refer to it as, but that's what I'm referring to it as. And it was really fun, and I think you're in for a treat today because I had a really great time. Jamie had a really great oh, time. Oh, my God, yes. Uh, on a somewhat related note, I recently had to face my own mortality, Jamie. What happened? Yeah, so here's the thing. I was playing pickup basketball at the LA Fitness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Local access, as we've learned. Local access fitness. I was there, and I'm 23 years old. I'm an old man. Um <laughs> No, I'm not that old. That's the thing. But I ended up on a team because the way pickup basketball works, for those of you that don't know, there's not a lot of rules involved. I mean, you have the, the normal rules of basketball mm -hmm. apply. Yes. But as far as like creating teams, you kind of just show up and you usually just get, you know, a random team together. It's not like you have teams that are set. So I show up, I'm putting my shoes on, whatever. Kid comes up to me. He's like, hey, like you got next? And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll run with you. And then I ended up playing with like four high school kids or who I assume are high school kids. Um, if not, they were like freshly out of high school, but they were talking about like practice and they didn't look old enough to be college kids or like, yeah. So anyway, I'm on a team with four high school kids and I don't know. I mean, I used to play basketball six days a week when yeah. I was in high school yeah. and I would say I was in good shape and I would consider myself to not be in terrible shape right now, but they ran so much. Like, I don't know. They I, they were running up and down the court, and they didn't seem like out of breath. I mean, I swear, there was a point in one of the games. Also, if you win and pick up basketball, you stay on, and a new team comes on. Whatever team wins stays. So we won three games in a row, and I swear, by the fourth game, I was, like, losing. In the middle of the third game, I was, like, on my knees, like, just, like, tired. I was worn out. And I was just sitting here watching these kids not, freaking take it to even seem like they were taking a breath and they were sprinting up and down the court i was like am i really that old like am i that much of an old man that i can't even freaking play four games of pickup basketball in a row without just feeling like i'm about to die well one the fact that you played to me you played <laughs> that many <laughs> to me is already like what after one i'd be like Gotta go. Yeah. It was it was an <laughs> hour straight of basketball. That's a lot. Yeah. Four games in a row. Um, I remember I looked at like a text that I'd sent before I started playing. And so it was an hour straight of like basketball, which is a lot in basketball, you know, it's pretty demanding. But wow, I was like, these kids aren't even tired and they are sprinting up and down the court every play. And I was like, am I really that old? Am I that much of an old fogey at 23 that I can't hang with some with some punk high school kids? They're actually very nice. They're very sweet, 
kids and they they um were very encouraging on the court which you love to see you love to you know? see that yeah you know they would i would if i missed a shot you know they were giving me high fives still and they're like hey you got the next one it's all good keep shooting very nice to see in the younger generation uh <laughs> old <laughs> old i'm referring to my generation as the younger generation well i feel like because i mean there is something to say to that because you are near the start of Gen Z. Like, I believe Gen Z starts if you were born the year 1997. Is that how it works? Yes, I believe yeah, that, that's that the breakdown. So you're, like, you're what they call the cusper. I'm a cusper. I, and I am a millennial, but I am also somewhat of a cusper because I was born in 1993. You and, were born in 1993. Yes. Hold on. Seven. Twenty-two. Twenty-nine? Yes. I wouldn't have guessed that. You would have guessed 40. Thank you. I do I'm have... I'm kidding. Oh, my God. I'm kidding. That's a joke. It is very much... Just wait till you hit 25. For whatever reason, everything's downhill from there. 25 is once my brain is fully developed. What do you mean it's... Da- like, once I... Huh? I felt like my metabolism super slowed down. Um, I felt like I got, like, so much more tired than than normal. I'm already tired um, all the time. Well... I can't get more tired, Jamie. I'm not going to I think it. that... No, but you know what? You will have a more... You've been playing basketball. I think if you keep that up, you will... The longevity... Maintain an active lifestyle is what you're saying. Yes. Don't... Okay. Do not unactivate yourself. Problem. I'm a degenerate gamer. You should get... You can get the desk pedals. No, I'm not going to do that. Anyways. Uh, I did actually last night, though, when I was playing basketball and facing my own mortality, I didn't game when I got home. Oh. Pretty crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. See, I'm an old man. An old man, but we're going to get into some other crazy stuff. Everybody. We have a very special guest today, Tyler Henry. The Hollywood medium is in the building. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Thank you so much for having me, Trevor. Very excited. Um, So you are a medium. You do readings of people, a lot of celebrities, um, some really cool celebrities. I watched your your reading of RuPaul the other day. That one was really fun to watch. That was cool. Um, But yeah, I mean, do you want to explain a little bit more about what you do? Absolutely. So uh, as a medium, I really kind of work as an intermediary. So I'm kind of in the middle, um, in theory, between this realm and the next. And I really kind of simplify my job as being just one of, when I interact with people, I get impressions. Mm -hmm. And I just get feelings about people, sometimes they're very strong mental images. And when I share them, they tend to acknowledge that they're subjectively meaningful. Yeah. And so that for me is really what it's about. It's not a scientific claim. It's really kind of more akin to like art and love, right? Things that we can't quite quantify, but still have meaning. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I'm sure that within your line of work and what you do, you come into a lot of skeptics. You deal with a lot of them. What, What do you... In your experience, do they tend to come around usually? Well, there's so many nuances to skepticism, and some people are a little easier to convert, so to speak, based on their experiences, and others less so. But um, I would say that generally the proof is kind of in the pudding. Again, it it provides, you know, a a meaningful sense of recognition. You know, when I sit with people, I bring forward inside jokes, 
you know, people's last words, kind of things that, yeah. um, you know, are, are recognizable. Yeah. Mean, that's really what I aim for. But I uh, sometimes find that skeptics actually have a bar set very low uh, in their expectations, yeah. and that can actually be easier to exceed. Yeah. So sometimes I'll have people who are like two so super fans, they've seen every reading, and they're expecting a 10 out of 10 reading. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shoot, you know, pressure's on. Yeah. If someone comes in expecting it to be a bunch of mumbo jumbo, yeah. they're actually easier to impress. That makes sense. I, I feel that way with my cooking. <laughs> <laughs> right? Set the bar low? Yeah, set the bar real low. When people see the food I cook for the internet, they're like, oh, you just make like nasty. You took beef tongue and covered it in blood and shoved it up a pig's butt. There you and go. I'm like, well, actually, I know how to make pasta too. <laughs> right. And it beats tofurkey. So yeah. there you go. Tofurkey. Oh, no. Um, so have you ever done like, I don't know. I'm curious because I I would consider myself probably on the fence skeptically um, I mean, I was raised in a Christian home, um, and so I definitely believe, uh, or in the past, I don't know where I'm at right now, um, but in the past, I would say that I believe in life after death. I don't think when we die, it all just goes dark, um, but has there ever been like a really crazy, re like what's the craziest reading that you've ever done? Well, you know, they're all kind of surreal. And if I think about any of them too much, it's kind of mind-bending. Yeah. So when I go home at the end of the day, I have to kind of put it on a shelf. But yeah. I would say my reading with Alan Thick was one of the most interesting. Yeah. Um, I sat with Alan. He was a uh, really nice guy. With his wife, I met with him on my show, Hollywood Medium. Yeah. And he was a total skeptic. He went into it. And I connected with him and, and brought through a loved one of his who had died of a heart condition. Okay. And this loved one came through and said, Alan, you need to get your heart checked. You need to keep this in mind for yourself you run the risk of the same issue. Yeah. And he laughed and he said, oh, thanks, Dr. Tyler. Yeah. Uh, and his wife was kind of hitting him. <laughs> yeah. And then tragically three months later, he dropped out of a heart attack of the exact heart condition this loved one had. Oh, my God. And that for me was kind of full circle because I got to meet with his widow who yeah. I had met in, in our initial session and got to connect with her and connect her then to her husband. But that That's crazy. Pretty wow. intense. That's really intense. Oh, my gosh. I, I, uh, that scares me. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't scare me. Well, but it is like that is yes. very, that is. There's prevention is the yeah. goal. And I always try to frame it that way, right? It yeah. does sound scary. And you have like the stereotypes of like a tarot card, you know, reader bringing up the death card. It doesn't yeah. work that way as much as for me. It's it's more about trying to get people to the doctor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, at the very least, it doesn't hurt to go get a checkup, right? Yeah. So I, I don't really feel like it's. Is a... there anything that I need to go to the doctor for? <laughs> go ahead. I think <laughs> okay. you're right. Good, 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 the, the raging hemorrhoids and IBS. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean. Can Wait, I actually do have hemorrhoids. Oh, well, you know what? You nailed me. Uh, uh oh, I don't want to nail you. This is oh. might make it worse, but I'll I'll give I you some cream. I don't have IBS, though. All right. All right. IBS. We'll you're, see. They're, your yeah, 30s right. are coming up. Yeah. <laughs> As a 23-year-old, it's hard to have hemorrhoids. <laughs> right. Well, it's a hard problem to deal with. It, indeed. I hard hope indeed. I, I mean, think at any age it might be not the best. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can do like the cream and you know, people That's put it on their face. Well, I mean, I don't do anything for my hemorrhoids. I kind of just ignore them. <laughs> yeah. It's a good approach. That's usually what I do. My dad, I mean, my dad has them too. Um, is it a genetic thing? I don't know. Should I be talking about my dad's hemorrhoids on the show, Jamie? You I know. know. Awareness. No. Genetic predispositions are good to bring That is actually to. true. Well, if you he... swing it that way, maybe just don't go into detail. <laughs> So when you do your readings and things, does it take, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you go home at the end of the day and you kind of like put it on a shelf. Does it take a toll on you when you do it? I would say so. You know, there's any exchange where you're having a meeting of minds, right? Where yeah. you're interviewing somebody, doing a reading, uh, or just dealing with the public in any capacity, there's yeah. an exchange that happens. And 
that can be very draining when you're focusing on people's kind of lowest moments of their life. Yeah. So, as long as I allocate time to focus on myself and be able to kind of veg out and kind of distract myself. Yeah. Um, it helps me kind of bifurcate my time. But it's yeah. good advice for everybody to take, right? Making yeah. the you time. People always say they don't have time to meditate. And I always say, well, if you make meditation a lifestyle and part of your kind of daily practice, then it's not a chore. Yeah. And I mean, you're also like, while you're a medium, you're also a performer. Like you're on camera and you're you're being entertaining to some degree. And I know that even just doing that on our silly YouTube channels, like it takes a toll. Like energy-wise, when you're on camera, you are giving more of yourself. And so... I can imagine that that would definitely be something that, like, at the end of the day, you just got to... There are times when I need to go home and just stare at a wall. <laughs> have you ever, like, felt, like, threatened ever, like, during a reading? Or have you ever felt like there was anything, like, kind of, like, bad or malicious energy? You know, you would think that would be the case, yeah. being that, you know, in life there's such a spectrum of personalities, good, bad, otherwise. But I find that my work, I really just set the intention to try to get information that's going to be applicable to the person's life in yeah. a way that's going to be practical and helpful. Yeah. Um, so by setting that intention alone, kind of setting that prayer, you know, I kind of do a bit of a meditation before, it does help me kind of uh, filter out, I think, some of the heavier things. Yeah. Um, but with that said, sometimes I do have to assert difficult things like telling Alan think about a heart thing. Or, yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, people will come forward and acknowledge addictions or acknowledge, you know, chains of behavior that they broke. Yeah. Um, and that can be very heavy, but necessary. So you have had this gift from a very young age, correct? I consider it like an ability. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I think it's like a capability. Something yeah. I've been able to do. Uh, it started when I was 10 years old. I okay. had a premonition of my grandmother's death. Okay. And I basically just woke up one night and had what could only be described as like a knowingness yeah. that she was going to pass away. And at the time, it felt kind of like a memory that hadn't happened yet. It was really confusing. And as I explained this to my mom, we received the call that my grandmother had died. Yeah. So that was really the catalyst. But at 10 years old, you don't really recognize that as an ability. It's yeah. more just something that happened and that yeah. continued to happen. Um, and then before I knew it, it was happening to the point where it couldn't be ignored. Yeah. Do you, were your, was your family like receptive to that or were they kind of like, what do you mean? That's weird. Don't do that. Well, it was a little unsettling for my mom. She was the first person I told of that initial premonition yeah. and she didn't share that with my dad. Both my parents were pretty conservative Christians, came from a Presbyterian background. Yeah. Um, and so it took six years for me to tell my dad. When I was 16, I graduated high school early to try to become a hospice nurse. Okay. Uh, and I was still doing readings through word of mouth. And I had to kind of come out of that closet to my dad and say, hey, dad, you know, I'm talking to people about their dead loved ones while yeah. I'm going to college to try to be a hospice nurse. So yeah. uh, he was ultimately very receptive, but it required a, kind of a lot of proof. I had to really show them how it worked. Um, yeah. There's so many stereotypes that, you know, hurt the cause and, and affect how people think of mediums. And so it was kind of a lot of just explaining it in a way that he would understand. Yeah. How do you feel about like TV shows? Um, for example, shows like The Mentalist mm -hmm. or Psych. Yeah. Um, what do you... Because I love Psych. It's oh, one yeah. of my favorite shows of all time. Totally. Um, but do you think that those are kind of like insulting at all? Or? No. Okay. I will say this. I think that it's great to have conversations around cold reading, which is reading body language typically. And yeah. often re revolves around something called Barnum statements, which are vague things that could apply to anyone. Yeah. And you have hot reading, which is typically more oriented around people doing research beforehand. Yeah. And so both of those things are... From a mentalist perspective, what is often accused towards mediums. Yeah. Um, my take is it's important to acknowledge that, um, yeah. that that is an entertaining facet of 
mentalism that yeah. people perform and do. But equally, you know, when you look at the kind of ins and outs of a medium reading, it's those things that can't be Googled, can't be researched, can't be guessed, can't be generic yeah. that substantiate the reading. So for okay. me, it's less about even a name being impressive because in this day and age, everybody can Google people. Yeah. It's more like, oh, you know, your girlfriend's grandmother passed away and it's a situation with the, her mother and the house thing. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Yeah. It, you know, substantiates connection. Yeah. Do you think that, do you feel like it happened or you can, you know when it's happening or you have some degree of control over when it's happening or are you ever just like sitting at home watching TV and all of a sudden you just get like a, a thing popping in your head. It happens all the time. I kind of view it as like an active daydream. Um, okay. Carl Jung, uh, one of the forefathers of psychotherapy, talked about active daydreaming when we just kind of let our minds go yeah. and be surprised. There's a lot of fodder for creativity and kind of getting a better sense of self if we just let our minds wander. So yeah. I've kind of trained myself to get into that zone and then kind of reel it in when I need to. Yeah. What uh, What's the second biggest thing about you other than being a medium? Because I'm curious. I feel like a lot of your life is this, but yeah. do you have any other interests? Well, I think my fat ass is the second thing. <laughs> you know, I, could, I could twerk for you if you yeah. would like. It's really, it, it, uh, my reputation precedes me <laughs> when I back it up. Yeah. Um, other interests, probably stained glass. I make stained glass windows oh, for fun, which is like really a very cool. old-timey, archaic hobby. No, I love that. No, that's so cool. Thank you. You know, the reason you never hear about like famous stained glass artists is because stained glass originally got commissioned only by churches. Okay. And they gave all the credit to God. Oh. So that's why you hear like famous painters, right? Yeah. You can recognize that, but not famous stained glass artists. Interesting. I, I think that. I did. I did a stained glass thing one time as a project in school. I made a Christmas ornament. Right on. It was a little... No, wait, actually I didn't. You just gave yourself a false No, 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 no. I specifically remember because I was sick the day that we made the stained glass ornaments Someone in my class, like a teacher or something or another student, made one for me. This is like Aww. the third grade, and they made one for me, and then I got it. And now, it, like, my parents hang it on the Christmas tree every year, and my brother made one. And so his hangs up, and mine is way prettier than his, but I also didn't even make it. <laughs> there you go. I just, like, <laughs> completely forgot that I never actually made it. I'm a man of many, many strengths. Yeah, I'm very talented, though. I do take credit for it. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I made that. It was a commission. Yeah, yeah exactly. Where do you, like, source the glass for that well they have these like stores around there's only a couple but they sell like sheets of glass and then you basically take the glass and you cut it out and you assemble it into a design that you kind of pre-create and okay. then it's just kind of a lot of like hot you know soldering irons and chemicals and, oh yeah. wow it's a really sexy hobby it's pretty cool yeah no it's, 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 it's pretty intense. cool <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i was like it definitely probably feels yeah. like a yeah. situation where you would want to take your shirt off because you're sweaty, but you probably shouldn't because you'll burn yourself. Exactly. And <laughs> that's it how pops. I feel with cooking. Yes. Yeah. There you go. I want to take my shirt off every time. Right. But I can't because mm -hmm. that's not kitchen safe. You could lose a nipple. You could very easily. I the, the number one thing that I'm afraid of in the kitchen, well, no, the two number one things because there's two of them. Uh... Hot oil, like popping oil. Yes. Like in a deep fryer, because Nicole literally, my coworker, literally burned herself like a couple months ago with popping oil and like had burns all over her arm. Oh, no. And sugar burns. Sugar burns? Sugar. Oh, my God. It is like the number one thing, because I went to culinary school for pastry and baking, and so we did a lot of work with sugar. And when sugar is boiling, if you get it on you, there's just nothing you can do. Really? Yeah, because you can't rinse it off. Like, it's very sticky because it's sugar and it's just molten sugar. And you can't, like, rinse it off because if you put water on it, it'll harden. <laughs> and then it'll harden to your skin. And you, it, it's just the worst thing ever. Oh, it's like cauterization. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. Ow. Um, 
Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, I love candy, but I'm going to let you make it. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, all those lollipops that you're sucking on out there. Right. Actually, they're probably made in a factory, so there's no danger to humans. But... Womp womp. So when you come in, or when you do readings, generally you ask for an item from the person's life, right? Like, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Okay, so are there times when you do readings that don't involve that, or is it? Does it make it easier or it, is it just something that you like to do for that person or, or sure. kind of what's the deal behind that? So uh, in psychic history, the process of holding onto an object and trying to intuit some information from it is called uh, psychometry. Yeah. And so it has a very old history. And for me, if anything, it was really just more of a way in the beginning to center my focus. Okay. When you sit with a person, there's a lot that can come through ranging from an argument they got into earlier in the day to what they have going on. An object kind of just helps us focus and almost acts as a reminder to the person of who they want to hear from, okay. what they're there for. So it's almost more simple symbolic than anything and we really find in readings and prayer and really all those subjective things intention is a very powerful tool yeah okay so i have to ask has there been anything that's come through since you've been sitting here with me mm -hmm. oh mm -hmm. do you want to tell me mm -hmm. potentially <laughs> I, I i like career stuff there's some some good stuff there as well but are you in a relationship currently yes okay Hmm, do you have a pen and paper? I do. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's see here. Let me just do a little scribble, scribble. I don't need an object or anything, but let me just see if I can connect in that department. Okay. Mom's side of family, dad's side of family, Jay. Huh. And then we have this other side as well. I kind of suspect I'm connecting to like a, if we talk about a relationship, like a girlfriend side of family. So it's kind of weird. Oh, I don't know. They don't even look there. I have to talk about somebody else. How strange. Person you're in a relationship right now with, if we go to their mom's side of family, do you know if grandma's passed on that side? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I have to highlight like some connection with that. I have to bring up that individual. I don't feel like you got the chance to meet this lady. No. So that would be correct. But I have to highlight something about couple things. Sorry. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, I have to highlight a reference to two sisters. So that could indicate that your girlfriend's mother has a sister. Do you know? Yes. Yeah. They're having me talk about uh, having to make a decision around girlfriend's grandmother's like well-being, health in the long run towards the end. They're having me talk about a residence, like a place of where somebody was at, staying with somebody, that kind of thing. And I keep getting, thank you, thank you, thank you. So it's good to keep in mind. It wouldn't surprise me if one of your girlfriends, like either her mother or her aunt, stayed with grandma or something or like was the one to take the initiative around the housing situation of like where residentially she would be yeah that's good to keep in mind and then um just check and see if like a, a sea turtle has any significance i know that's a weird thing to say these things are so off the wall but good to write down and then one thing to keep in mind from a career perspective for you uh also somebody in your family might be turning 50 or there will be somebody turning kind of close to like a big date like um we think like big 40 big 50 Think yeah. like five oh, four oh, that kind of thing. But I'm my mom is turning fifty one this year, which means my dad is turning fifty next April. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. So he would be the one that we'd be, be seeing in that um direction. And then there's like some interesting things there. This kind of career thing, this is gonna keep in mind. Look, I don't believe the future's set in stone, but I think yeah. that we have trajectories we go down based on the present moment. I yeah. feel so good for you in like four separate areas, all kind of within what you're doing, but you're gonna have all these different things that culminate into kind of this one larger brand, which I love. Uh, there might end up being some form of an opportunity of something cooking related. And then I keep seeing some weird indication of something musical and it could be silly and ridiculous in the way that this is coming across. But um, 
It's just good to keep that in mind. Any opportunities for to see a crossover there? Okay. Like a, like a funny musical kind of element. Okay. Odd, strange might be one of the four, but it looks interesting. Uh, four different avenues. I have been a musical theater kid in the past, and I do have a passion. Um, God, I feel bad because I have a terrible memory. I wrote it all down. Oh, good. No, 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 no. I mean, like, I have a terrible memory in relation to all of the stuff that was going on with my girlfriend's family because yeah, yeah. I remember it all happening. Or I remember, like, the vague details, but I also, like, have a hard time remembering, like, specific details. Um, well, I wrote it down, so if you want to tell her... Yeah, and totally. See if that yeah. Comes up. yeah, yeah. There's a lot of gratitude around her mother for yeah. some reasons. Also, you mentioned a J. My dad's name is Josh. Oh, cool. Yeah, amazing. So that makes sense. Um, That's actually the first time I've learned your dad's name. How funny! <laughs> <laughs> you talk Jamie. about your dad all the time, but you've never said his first name. You know, I call him Dad. I don't call him Josh. Well, obviously, <laughs> but. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's really cool. Wow, thank you for that. Of course, and you know that's just like a little sample. But yeah, you know, when I sit down for an hour with people, it's interesting. We kind of get into a flow of things. Yeah, and I'd love to follow up. I'll give you my email as well. You can reach out. To. Um. So with the pen and paper, is that just something that kind of helps you channel the things that are going on in your head in a way that makes Pretty it much. easier to discern? Yeah, it's almost like, you know, when you're doodling, when you're on the phone with somebody, it's just kind of like yeah. hand wanders. Kind of essentially what happened, how I started doing this uh, when I was a teenager. I was on the phone with a girlfriend, just kind of scribbling. And um, I started kind of finding I had a hard time concentrating on what she was saying and instead was kind of focusing what was going on. Yeah. So I thought, hey, okay. I'll, you know, implement it into readings. So yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so you have a Netflix show. I do. Life After Death. That's right. That's awesome. So um, you have, uh, in that show, you started to uncover some things about your family, right? And That's their right. past. What was that like? Like kind of uncovering some of the more secretive things that you didn't know about. Sure. Well, this show was a very intimate look at my personal life, whereas yeah. Hollywood Medium was more oriented around readings with celebrities. This yeah. one kind of turned the tables on me yeah. as I traveled across the country, shared readings with people who really genuinely needed them. But Simultaneously, I was also exploring a family mystery that had kind of uh, came to a head. Yeah. Uh, I discovered that the person or the people I was told were my uh, maternal grandparents were indeed not. Oh, and wow. that my mother was actually stolen as a child uh, from a sociopath who went on to murder multiple people. Oh and God. this all only came out, you know, uh, recently. We knew about the crimes that she had committed, but uh, my mom had a whole biological family that was looking for her, and my mom was basically just captured as a child and not given back. And oh my um, God, yeah, it was a really crazy story of family and identity. And you know, my mom got to a place of, you know, in the show where she didn't even know if the name on her birth certificate was her given name. She didn't know if her mm -hmm. actual birth date was her birth date. So it really brought into questions of like, who are we when all of what we identify as is stripped away. Yeah. What was, I mean, what was that like for her personally to kind of discover that? Like, was it, I'm sure it was difficult, but I, I assume there's also like a sense of closure. Sure. It definitely opened up a lot of new wounds, but put a lot of, to a, a lot of rest in, in previous uh, matters. I think it kind of brought up the question of like, you know, the sins of our parents and yeah. my mom for so long felt so much shame yeah. connected to this woman that she thought was her mother who spent 30 years in prison with the Manson family, had a feud with them. I mean, this woman was in it's crazy. She's still alive, by the way. Yeah. And um, yeah, that that really uh, affected my mom. But to know we weren't related to that individual biologically kind of was freeing. Yeah. To know I come from just yeah. really sweet yeah. Italian, I can you imagine, know, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Wow. I wonder if my dad has any dark secrets. Oh, all families have things, right? Yeah. Everyone, mm -hmm. some more than others, but everybody has stuff. My dad's secrets are probably pretty stupid. 
It's the hemorrhoids. <laughs> yeah, it's the hemorrhoids. <laughs> That's the secret. And I know it now. Oh, so does the airwaves. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. I, I really liked how supportive, like, the your mom's... Um, I guess I don't want to say adoptive because that's not yeah. I guess the right word, but adoptive siblings were yeah, yeah. Um, throughout and still are. I really enjoyed like watching that part and seeing that you know yeah. It really brings into question what is family, and I really think it's obviously transcends blood. I know it's a platitude that we yeah. hear about of you know, but uh, it really put that to the test. Yeah, yeah. What um have you ever gotten? So sometimes, occasionally, you'll ask people for objects. Mm-hmm. Has anyone ever handed you like a really weird object? Yeah, people have handed me a. Panties. <laughs> I've held panties. People have brought me their loved one's actual ashes. Oh, wow. And wanted me to hold on to the ashes. And I said, no, you can keep in the container. That's fine. Oh, they like wanted you to palm oh. it? Uh, yeah, I'm like, we're not doing like the Catholic <laughs> moment. Oh, um, no. Yeah, no, that stayed in the little vessel. Uh, someone's given me socks before. Mostly undergarments. I don't know why people would bring an undergarment, but I guess it's, you know, the intimates. Yeah. <laughs> So, as okay. long as it's not a dildo. We're not there yet, but my 30s are coming. They're approaching. <laughs> so there's still a lot of time. Oh, my goodness. So I, Jamie had mentioned bringing an item, and I realized I didn't have anything that I could think of. But, except there's one thing, but it's in Idaho, and I don't have it with me. Do you uh, – I feel weird asking you to guess something. I mean, I'm not – I would consider myself very open-minded. Like, yeah. I promise I'm not doing this to try and be like, no, all right, prove it. it. Prove it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to come across that way at all. It was a bowling ball, by the way. Oh, wow. was the ob- funny. It was uh, – my my grandpa uh, and my grandma and my parents both, too, they were in bowling leagues um, when I was a kid, and they, like, always bowled, and my grandpa bowled up until, like, oh. he couldn't bowl any longer. And that's <laughs> the one thing of his that I, like, asked for. Oh. When he died, I remember I was like, can I have his bowling ball? Because I love yes. bowling. Um, so I have his gigantic, <laughs> big, like, you know, the big, like, bowling ball purses. I've wow. got his big bowling ball purses, bowling ball. But it's obviously annoying to travel with. So I didn't bring it down to <laughs> yeah. LA with me when I moved down here. Right. Your FedEx shipping is going to be yeah. uh, quite bad. <laughs> but I wish I had it so that I could just be like, here you go. Just roll it Here's on the table. Here's a 16-pound bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strike. Yeah. Oh, 16 pounds, I feel like it's heavy. I wouldn't be yeah. able to do it. Well, it's amazing how when people pass away, those things they leave behind take on such more value than they did yeah. when they were here, mm-hmm. right? It's like those little things become the big things. Yeah. My grandma also, she, Nana, she made me, um, this past year for Christmas, she gave it to me as a Christmas gift, but she made a scrapbook. Um, That was the only other thing, but, like, obviously, she made it after he died, but it was really special. She just made me this scrapbook that, like, had photos from, like, when he was a kid, like, these really old pictures just, like, all throughout his life and what he did and who he was. And it was really cool because he passed away when I was, God, like, uh, probably, like, 13 or 14 I think Um, and so I didn't I mean obviously I knew him um, but I didn't know him super well and I never got old enough to the point where I was like you know interested in like a lot of his past in his life and so to have the scrapbook I like went through it um, after I'd gotten it and I was like alone and I went through the scrapbook with my girlfriend and we like read through it all and I was just a mess afterwards but it was really special and I definitely cherish that scrapbook. Yes, and to share that with your girlfriend. <clears throat> yeah. Such a kind of introducing the past into the present. Yeah. It is really nice uh, that my <laughs> grandma and my mom were both like really into scrapbooking. Like, I remember <laughs> yes. they would go on like scrapbooking weekend trips, which I didn't know was a thing. Like, they were that like, all right, fun. we're going on a weekend trip to do scrapbooking. Heck yeah. But like, it's great because like now I just have, I mean, you go to my parents' house, they just have a whole bookshelf of scrapbooks and it's just 
all memories and pictures from like all throughout everyone in our family's lives, which is really cool. Yeah. I feel like that's a lost art too, because we have phones now. Yeah. So I feel like physical scrapbooks or photo albums, Mm -hmm. you don't see a lot. And I love, I love physically holding like memories in that way. Yeah. So true. It's all digital now. Yeah. It was the one, those were like the one thing I asked for because my parents, one, they joke about um, dying a lot. Like they're very, they're very, uh, lighthearted about it and my parents are always like oh yeah you know once we get past 50 that's bonus years like we made it to 50 <laughs> we did it anything past that is bonus years um but i think my parents were out with their friends one night and they're like you should ask each of your kids what they want when you die and yeah. see what they say so i just get this text from my mom out of the blue like hey when dad and i die what do you want and i was like well ideally you wouldn't die for a long time right. and i wouldn't have to worry about that i was like but I guess, I don't know, like having the scrapbooks or some of the scrapbooks right. would be really nice so that I could have those like memories and mm-hmm. stuff. And then my mom was like, I knew that's what you would say. She was like, I knew it. And I was like, well, what did Matt say? And she was like, well, he mostly wanted like, you know, the alcohol and like some of the guns and <laughs> stuff. Someone like life money. insurance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, Matt would say that. He's a, he would, he would go for the uh, material things. But, have, um, have like either of your parents um, come to you at any point with like, their quote unquote death binder. Like they're like, this is like my parents sat me and my brother down one day and were like, look, there's no good time to do this ever right now <laughs> but we had like a, such a nice dinner and then all of a sudden they're no. like so this is where this binder lives this is like everything you need to know in the case we die like here's where everything goes to here's all the stuff and like i was like i don't want to talk about this and she's what? like but it's never gonna be a good time but it's good to know yeah so i don't know if any you guys have not experienced no. that i my no. mom would have dropped that on me in like third grade I'm pretty confident. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Tyler, it's time. Yeah. You're ten. You know, death binder. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. I mean, like my parents, like yours, have a sense of humor around it. But yeah, uh, we don't sit down and are like, you know, this is the plan. No. But uh, you know, like I feel like I'd be so lost without my parents. I want them to create like an elaborate like master note oh, of like yeah. where do all my keys go? What? How does insurance work? One hundred percent. In the same way, like my dad, he has like you know he built a life for himself and he's a wealthy man and he has a ton of like assets and stuff. And when he got cancer, um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer uh, around a year ago now. Um, It was from Zantac. So he was taking this medication for heartburn and acid reflux um, that then got discontinued because they found out that after you stop taking it, like sometimes, like a month after you stop taking Zantac, you develop a very rare type of pancreatic cancer. And that's what happened to my dad. He, He was like, doing fine you know he's a super healthy guy um and then like he just started having these problems in his pancreas and he was going to urgent care and they were like oh it's probably like some form of like pancreatitis like take these medications whatever it'll pass right then it didn't pass and so he ended up getting you know an mri or cat scan and all that stuff and they were like oh you have cancer in your pancreas um thankfully the rare type of pancreatic cancer that it was is very treatable so he's doing better now he's healthy Dad's not dead, but it was hard in those moments when it was like, we have to look at the reality that if he does pass away, what happens? And um, yeah, those are some hard conversations to have about like, what do we do? Do I move home to help my mom out with everything that would come out of that? Like um, who, yeah, what would my brother and his wife do? Because they live up in Northern Idaho away from my parents and yeah, it was hard. And I was like, yeah. I don't want to have those conversations. I like my parents a lot and I'd prefer that they stay alive for a long time. 
even though they don't think they're gonna. <laughs> they made it to 50. You're on yeah. your own. Like, well, what the heck, man? Come on, you gotta stick around. I can barely function. Yeah, I don't <laughs> even know my social security number. <laughs> really? Do you know your social security I, number? I know mine because I've had to, well, during the pandemic, I had to apply to many jobs because I decided to take a take a leap of faith and quit. uh and decide to do something else and so i had to actually put your social security on some stuff some things so i had to memorize it yeah (laughs) did you were you born and raised in la uh california or california central california okay uh, near fresno so like the land of cows and prisons okay yeah yeah yeah. yeah, very rural kind of like idaho i have family in fresno (laughs) oh so then yeah Um, yeah fresno kentucky that's (laughs) That's what what it feels like like. i'm like fresno Uh, nope yeah yeah so if you lived in california your whole life whole life that makes sense then because a lot of the reason that i know my social security number is mm-hmm. like moving to a new state and then uh, like having to figure out like getting a new driver's license and stuff like that and you know registering my car in a new state and yeah I don't know like renting an apartment do you need a social security number for that I don't know <laughs> yeah you do but I feel like I definitely grew up when I moved to Los Angeles yeah. and had to learn it I don't even know where my social security card is though well me either I have the worst filing system ever I think I have an envelope <laughs> that lives somewhere in a closet or drawer of mine in my room <laughs> that says B certificate on it because my mom gave me, she's like, you're going to need your birth certificate for some stuff. And I think I put my social security card in there, but I have no clue where it is. You guys oh. are like going to go home and be like, for whatever reason, I need to know yes. where, where all this stuff is. It's just like an Arby's receipt. Yeah, <laughs> it's just stapled to an Arby's receipt. <laughs> the meat mountain, a secret menu item at Arby's. You know about the meat mountain? A meat mountain. That sounds like my college years. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. No, there's an item on the Arby's. You hear about secret menu items. Little did everyone know, there is a secret menu item on the Arby's menu called the meat mountain. And it is one of every protein that they have available. It's like roast beef, ham, turkey, uh, sliced chicken, fried chicken, and then, I don't know, Arby's sauce. I just got... like super bloated. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Every sphincter inside my body just kind of did like the thing. <laughs> you have multiple. You just kind of. <laughs> oh, there are. You do. We have many sphincters in our body. Are you aware? I thought there was just the one. There is not. There are. You again. Yes. You've got many. You've really? got more than one sphincter. There's a. Uh, I know this one very well. Well, yeah. I was going to say, is that just the like, butt sphincter? No, then? but I feel like it's like there's right yeah. here yep. is one. Is it just like the word for anything that like kind of closes and opens? Does like the little see an enemy thing there? You poke yeah. the thing and it closes. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a good hand motion to make. In the. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, what are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh man. Um, so you've read a lot of celebrities in your life. Um, is there, has there been any difference between like, cause I'm sure you do readings of normal people too. Um, has there been any like drastic difference that you find between celebrities and quote unquote normal people? Well, I think just, I've been more enjoy reading regular folks. I think they come with a lot less baggage, uh, yeah. that, you know, celebrities do admittedly come with, yeah. um, you know, they're very defensive over their image, how they want to be perceived. Oh, yeah. That's an mm. element that people don't think about. And on my show, one of the greatest frustrations was I would often come up with really validating personal information. But then the celebrity at the end of the reading would say, ah, oh, no, we can't include that. Please cut that out. Instead, oh. can you keep what is publicly knowledge, you know, out there about me? Wow. So it ended up looking like, you know, sometimes I'd sit there with someone yeah. like, well, how do you not know Whitney Houston? And it's, yeah. yeah. It's frustrating. I didn't even think about that. That would be a hard thing to navigate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to that point, I mean, I, I find that, you know, there's like the D-list and you got the A-list and I've read people all up and down it. And the D-list tend to be like really difficult. Yeah. And then the A-list people tend to be really nice. Okay. So it's kind of interesting. Interesting. 
What I can see why that is. What list celebrity am I? A B C D E F G H I J K. No. K no. list. I would say. <laughs> I don't want this to sound like an insult. No, it not. is. I just said I was a K. I was going to say before K. I would say, what comes, E, e or F? You're, you're e- a star in my heart, okay? Oh, oh, thank me you. and your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> in our hearts, you're the star, all right? Oh, no, I mean, we always, I mean, everybody at this company has joked about being an internet micro-celebrity. So that's a, pr- a title that I'm very proud of, being an internet micro-celebrity. Um, you know, enough people know about me that, like, I probably shouldn't do anything horrendous. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> like, also, like, you know, there's not really, I'm not really that in the public eye. <laughs> um, so is it usually, uh, at least for your show, um, The Hollywood Medium, was it always a surprise to you who you were going to read? Every single time I read over 200 celebrities and Every they genuinely, time. and I know it's hard to believe, never told me who I was reading. Wow. They wanted the reactions to be authentic so that when I saw the person, if I really recognized them or not, that that was you know, authentic. And That's crazy. It really presented some interesting positions in yeah. meeting people who assumed I would recognize them. Like Boy George. You yeah. Know, I, I met him. Yeah, yeah. He assumed I recognized him. And mm. I, thought, <laughs> I thought he was Tiny Tim. You know, <laughs> tiptoe through the tulips. <laughs> I was like, I love your work. And he's like, that's not me, fucker. And I was like, ah. <laughs> so uh, that presents no. some challenges. But then also like Bobby Brown and, and you know, answering oh, the, mm-hmm. the uh, front door, he was wearing like pajamas, right? <laughs> and so the Bobby yes. Brown of the 80s yeah. is very different than the Bobby Brown I met. Some yeah. people are like, how do you not recognize him when someone just shakes their yeah. ass? I'm Bobby. And he's yeah. dressed in pajamas. You're not thinking, oh, this is, you know, is Bobby Brown, Brown of the yeah. 80s. Yeah. I saw that clip. It was very, very cute. You were like, I, because you, you played it off <laughs> so well. <Thank> yeah. <laughs> it was horrendously awkward. And I knew in the moment people were going to be like, how do you not know? But yeah. I was born in 1996. Yeah. It's also hard when you do see someone only on a screen and then you see them in person like yes. I've recognized people or seen people in person and I'm like is that actually them or am I making that up like I yep. genuinely can't tell like you would think you know you see someone in public yeah. that is a celebrity and you'd be like oh my god that's them but a lot of the times it's like is that them yeah. is that who I what's their yeah. name yes and we're who seeing the that? oldest iteration of them exactly too. The yeah thing. a lot of these people we were our idea of them was like them 10 years ago yeah do you see, I mean, this is something that you've done or you've had the ability since you were 10. How long do you see yourself doing this? Is it something you hope to do until you, you know, you're a, a wise old man? Oh, and... shucks. I'm just going to ride it till the wheels fall off. I always <laughs> say I'm, I'm here for a good time. Probably not a long time. I hope I live a long life. But yeah. this work does take a lot of, on me. And I, yeah. I just hope to be able to do it so long as I always have a platform to be able to just help create a conversation. Yeah. For me, it's more than just belief. It's not important to me whether people believe in it or not, but I just want people to be able to have a conversation around grief and yeah. validating people in our lives in the here and the now yeah. in a way that's meaningful so that we can really prevent future regret. Yeah, for sure. Do you? So you mentioned uh, going to be a hospice nurse before. Uh, do you think that that would have been the career you had if you didn't do this? Or do you? would you have done something different? I definitely considered, yeah, the hospice nurse route was the route I was going at the time. I enrolled okay. in my little uh, classes and then I ran to the dean of the college one day and he'd had a reading with me and he actually suggested that I focus on readings. Yeah. So I always say when the dean of the college gives you permission to leave school, you know, it's yeah. uh, not a bad gig. So what was the path that you took then from being in school to be a hospice nurse to now being a celebrity medium? Well, uh, thank you for the celebrity comments. <laughs> uh, no, I, at 16, you know, just basically was doing readings to word of mouth while I was in school. And mm-hmm. before I knew it, I had people contacting me from Southern California. Um, and I really attribute that more to the fact that people in Southern California were a little bit more open-minded than yeah. the area I was from. Very conservative uh, Central California is. Yeah. So um, celebrities, you know, kind of naturally were reaching out as they 
word of mouth spread. I yeah. always told people, you know, if you're organic, if you're legitimate, if you really can do what you say you do as a medium, you don't have to advertise. Yeah. And so I didn't. And before I knew it, Sarah Paulson uh, called me up on my phone. She was wow. my first client. I was like wow. 17 years old and my I hand was shaking. Her. That's crazy. Oh, and she was the first one from there. It just kind of evolved yeah. into one person after another. Yeah. Well, I will. I want to let you know that I had multiple people uh, that I work with, coworkers that were like, you're having Tyler Henry on. Like, that's so cool. You're having the Hollywood Aww. medium on. Say hello for me. So you're known. That's sweet. Um, thank you. Thank you. You are known. You are a celebrity for sure. <laughs> no. Um, so one of the, I feel like you've expressed, or I, you've expressed in the past that one of your major goals has, uh, been to work with parents that have lost a child. Have you been able to do that? And has that been what you wanted it to be? You know, it definitely is kind of a natural synergy. I, I find yeah. that where there's the most need, my work tends to kind of shine the most. And yeah. so when you have situations where people go through tragic loss, yeah. uh, you know, that's, uh, where that, that can really kind of shine. So yeah. I, I find that that's been really helpful as well as actually meeting with a surprising amount of people who have been diagnosed with terminal illnesses. Wow. Um, a number of my clients I've, I've met with over the past few years have since passed, but they reached out to me after their diagnosis. And yeah. I was able to read them and kind of, yeah, you know, touch base with them weekly or monthly uh, yeah. up until their passing. So okay. that's been very, very meaningful, even from a medium perspective, just a, a human perspective, yeah. to be able to sit with people and um, give some comfort. Yeah. Has there ever been any connection or have you ever done anything with someone who's had lots of miscarriages? It happens. Okay. Sure. Yeah. There's certainly cases where people, and people have varying degrees of beliefs around, yeah. uh, you know, when life starts, but certainly, yeah. Yeah. I was just curious because, um, my girlfriend, her name is Destiny and her name is that because her parents had, I think like six or seven miscarriages before they had her. Um, so then when they finally had her, oh, they were wow. like, Destiny. It was meant to be. Um, yeah. Um, and you're going on tour, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Yeah, so about 40 to 50 different cities across the, the country. Uh, I do it all like, every year now if I'm on like year four of okay. touring. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I do shows typically about 90 minutes long uh, in front of about 2,000 to 3,000 people. Okay. And I basically just kind of stand up on stage, introduce myself, and kind of explain how the process works. Some yeah. of the kind of most meaningful uh, stories yeah. behind the work. And then I go and do readings on the audience. Okay. So you never know what to expect. It's that is always really very cool. intense. I'm always very sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun. If you want to see the process unedited, live and in person, uh, you know, I always say people go into that venue kind of as strangers and yeah. people do leave genuinely like hugging and laughing. Yeah. They've gone on an experience together. That's really cool. I understand, like, I mean, as someone who works in the industry, I totally understand the fact that a lot of stuff happens behind the scenes. And there's a lot of, generally with shows, there's a lot of pre-production. There's a lot of post-production. Things are edited and changed. And so I could see how someone watching something like the Hollywood medium and and seeing that, they could be like, oh, well, you know, it's a TV show. Of course. Um, yeah, absolutely. But even just sitting here with you today, it's obvious to me that, one, you're very passionate about what you do. And you do it. In it genuinely in the interest of helping people, which is really awesome. Thank you, Trevor. Um, and yeah, you just seem like a really genuinely oh. cool, caring person. And I believe that, you know, what you do is really special. Thank you, Trevor. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we were able to talk today. Yeah. And send my love to your girlfriend. If you all ever want a reading, I'm always here. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Of and course. please plug anything that you'd like to plug. I know I'll... we talked about your show and tour, but give it to them now. Oh, good. I probably have a plug-in in my butt somewhere. With <laughs> Charge me up like a Tesla. No, I am happy to be here. Thank you for your time today. Yeah. Everybody, that was Tyler Henry. What a fun experience. Genuinely, uh, please go check out his show, Life After Death on Netflix. Check out all the stuff he's done. Check out his tour. I mean, what a what a sweet person. What a kind 
caring, sweet person. I wished he could have stayed for another two hours. And no, just literally. Hung out. Um, yeah, Jamie, what are, what are your thoughts? I mean, so it's it's really funny because one, he, my parents like have been a, like love him. Yeah. They, so they they told me about him when he was. I believe I could be wrong, but when he started the show, he was like barely twenty when it came out, and. So, and he was obviously well known enough to get a show, yeah, like before that. So he started very young doing this. And so I was just like, oh, wow. And so then when we had the opportunity, I was like, I think this would be really awesome. Yeah. Cause he also, that's the thing. He, he's just like so genuine. Yeah. Like such a nice energy. And so it's like, regardless of what kind of conversation you guys were going to have, it's just like meeting him. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be lighthearted. It's going to be fun. And, yeah. and he's going to be a fun guest. I mean, yeah, he said literally that he like graduated high school early at 16 to go like start going to school to be a hospice nurse. And then, I mean, that's unreal. Like what a cool guy. What a freaking cool guy. Um, Jamie, do you want to hear another useless fact? I love useless facts. Yeah, you love useless facts. Well, get ready for this. All of you at home, uh, fun, useless fact. The inventor of Pringles is buried in a Pringles can. Okay. Not like a not like a human-sized Pringles can. Okay, so he was like cremated. He was cremated, and then his ashes were put into a Pringles can. Oh, my can. God. Imagine if he wasn't a <laughs> human-sized Pringles can. Yeah, they can. like specifically <laughs> like made one for him. Like So that was his casket, was just a Pringles can. No, in 1966, Frederick Bauer developed the ingenious idea for Procter & Gamble to uniformly stack chips inside a can instead of tossing them in a bag. The inventor of Pringles said, you know what? We're going to stack the chips instead of bag-loading them. And if you've ever folded laundry... You know that stacking things is generally a better storage method than just throwing it in a pile. Mm-hmm. I've experienced that personally. And he applied that theory to the chip, which we all know and love. But he was so proud of his invention that he wanted to take it to the grave. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> he took it to the grave and he asked his family to cremate him and put his ashes in a Pringles can, which, wow, commitment to your product. You know that's a man that was proud of his product. Um, the, the funniest part to me though, is that his kids and his family, when he died, they went to the grocery store and had to have a debate on which flavor can to bury <laughs> to put his ashes in. What they ended up deciding on. They, they went with original. Um, I, mean, I would have picked sour cream and onion cause I, I mean, think it's the to. best flavor, but I understand, you know, from a perspective of like, you know, original is being kind of the most true to essence of what a Pringle is. And so they went with original, but yeah, his ashes. I don't know if they left the chips in though. That wasn't that wasn't made clear. I feel like it should have been empty. It also, should have been. It, I, well, I don't know, so we don't know. But I feel like empty would be nice. Also, it makes sense to me because, you know, the, the seal on a Pringles can is pretty good. Pretty tight. So pretty tight. You know, I pretty think that that's seal. that's. Uh, yeah, it's a good container. I think they should leave the chips in there, and then they should market it. New Pringles flavor, dead guy. Dead guy. <laughs> Dead guy's ashes. <laughs> Delicious. That's like so funny too. And I res- I do respect that because, you know, it's your life's work. Um, yeah, I'm going to ask my my family to cremate me and shove my ashes inside of a turkey's butthole. Because that just represents you. You know, I'm a chef. <laughs> a gourmand. <laughs> um, so I guess that wraps it up for us today, everyone. I've been Trevor. Jamie has been Jamie. Thank you for listening this week. We got new episodes every Tuesday. 
uh, wherever you get your podcast. We got new episodes of the video version going up the following Monday over on the YouTubes. Uh, leave a review, leave a comment, leave me a, a angry tweet. <laughs> uh, and yeah, follow us on all the socials and whatnot to keep up with what we've got going on. Got some really fun guests coming up, got some really fun stuff coming up. So definitely, uh, you know, stay up to date. And uh, as always, have a lovely week. Um, and make sure to check out that, that chips and diet coke diet i'm very uh no i can't tell people that i'm a bad person if i tell people to eat just chips and diet coke <laughs>